how good is my fucking shit? Like compared to the way it normally looks, I got that shit tight. It looks the same to me, honestly. It really just looks the same to me. It's not. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. I got all the color right. I got. I used my thing to zoom in correctly. I got the angle. I got it all worked out. It looks good. Now, is, yeah. is, are you making me look like a... a no, you look fine. You, no, your shit, your shit's tight, dude. <laughs> your shit's real tight. I mean, my shit's tight. Mm-hmm. I mean, your shit's tight, but my shit's tight. You look like you're going to go on a jog with Wesley Snipes after this episode. Dude, I am. Oh, good. I didn't know he lived in uh, Austin. He doesn't. He's just flying in to jog with me now that I'm wearing <laughs> this tracksuit. He flies in every two days to do a jog with you. Dude, how about these eyes? These are called cedar fever eyes. What's cedar fever? Dude, speaking of cedar fever, well, not speaking of cedar fever, but my mom got COVID. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh, G- no. Got the COVID, but she's fine. And she's about, she's almost over it. What about she your dad? Never got it. Yeah, it's, it's weird how it doesn't transmit in family sometimes never hasn't gotten it but could get it but hasn't gotten it and my mom got it she she was having some like a lot of congestion and coughing a lot and uh she's like well i'm gonna go get tested i'm like oh mom it's just allergies just allergies she went and got tested came back positive so i was like oh shit because i had seen her the day before new year's and this was like a couple days ago. So I was like, oh, I got to go get tested. So I went and got tested. My dad got tested. We were fine. But t- I couldn't get tested until the next day. So that whole day, I'm like wearing a mask around the house, quarantining in one of the rooms because I don't want to get anybody dosed out. Hmm. Dosekis with that corona. So anyways, I'm fine. I hope your mom's okay. And sounds like she's doing okay. Uh, she's doing okay. New Year's, which by the way. Welcome to I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. We started off by breaking rule number one, but that's okay. We're going to we're gonna steer it right back. We got a couple of New Year's Eve emails because your show happened. Right. We dipped in on your show. It was a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. We, we came and uh, saw it a little bit. First of all, thanks to our new patrons, Kathy Powell and Bill Payne. We appreciate the support over there. If you want to support the show, it's patreon.com slash IOK. You get all sorts of stuff over there and you uh, support the show. Michael Volk writes in and says, Hi, Bob and Clint. The New Year's Eve stream was great. My daughter and I watched it, and she had a blast trying to get Bob's attention with the live chat stream. At one point, she wanted to text a healthy food emoji. I told her no. Best New Year's Eve ever. Clint, you should have made a cameo. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Oh, because I was eating this ice cream the whole time? Were you eating the ice cream on New Year's Eve? Oh, yeah. It's so good. I'm surprised it hasn't melted at this point. It's It's been here for a while. Right. I mean, it's melting a little bit. You can see like a few drips, but so good. Um, mm. Tammy Anyways. Brady writes in and says, Happy New Year. Thank you both for helping me through this year. Bob, please keep making Clint laugh. His unabashed, genuine, contagious laughter is what it's all about. I live for that. Happy New Year. And then it's a picture of her and her family all watching your uh, show on New Year's oh. Eve, which is really oh. sweet. That is sweet. I'm going to forward this to you. So you can see that. It's really cool. Nice. It's nice that you've made a body of work that an entire family can enjoy. 
I think that's really cool. Well, I'll tell you what I did do starting at the very beginning when I started doing these live streams back in March, or maybe it was April, uh, is I realized I'm not at a club. It's not 21 and up. I'm in somebody's house, and there might be kids there. And so I've really tried to keep all the shows G-rated. I mean, every once in a while, there'll be a word or two here and there. But for the most part, I'm really, I've been really trying to keep it G-rated the whole time. And I've been pretty good about it. And just, again, because I'm in people's living rooms, and I don't know whose living rooms I'm in. But I'm not in a club. Now, you come see me in a club. Yeah, things are different. Gloves things are different. You listen to my podcast. Things are different. That's not that's not your living room. That's your head, boy. Drippy. And your head's twenty one and up if you're if you're twenty one and up. Your head's as old as you are. So how old are you? If you're under twenty one, why are you listening to this podcast? Because you know what's up. Are you saying that if your podcast was a CD from the early nineties, that it would have a parental advisory Tipper Gore sticker on it? Dude. The I'm Okay, You're Okay podcast has a parental advisory sticker on it. 100%. Yeah. We need to, you know what they need to come up with? I mean, that parental advisory sticker, that's some 90 shit. They Mm -hmm. need to update that shit for 2021. They need like a woke sticker. And basically, it's a sticker that says, oh, this podcast is not woke. I would be proud to have that. Yeah. This this podcast may trigger you, motherfucker. Right. Oh, are you wearing something besides adult diapers? <laughs> then don't listen. May cause microaggressions. Uh, <laughs> dude, <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready? Have you decided not to put on adult pants so that you can cancel at the drop of a hat? Oh, don't listen. You know what that sticker would be? What? Just, it would just be a GFY sticker. That's what it would be. <laughs> That's our version of that. Yeah. And then somebody just with a pantsless person. <laughs> uh, we got another nice email from Kathy Mayer who says, thanks, daddies. Hey, Bob and Clint, just want to send my heartfelt thanks for a wonderful year of entertainment in this shitstorm of a year. Isolation can take a real toll on one's psyche. Your virtual friendship has validated my feelings, made me laugh and cry, and has hit on some truly profound concepts as we have slowly accepted that things may never really be the same. I especially have loved your astute views and spirited debate on the wide range of streaming entertainment available. Let me drop a truth bomb on your listeners who... Oh, I think... Have we read this before? Let's just read it again. Let me drop a truth bomb on your listeners who have chosen not to support your podcast through Patreon. Are you entertained? Do you have a few bucks to spare? Then pay up. Nobody likes a mooch. Support the arts because the arts have been doing a great job supporting you. Thanks, daddies. You're the best. Kathy Mayer. Yeah, we've definitely read that one or one that was, or the one that was identical. Dude, speaking of content, uh, I just watched a show that was absolutely fantastic. Let's hear it. It was on Apple Plus, which not everybody has. I got it because I'm, maybe I bought a TV or something. I bought something where I got Apple Plus for free for a year. Because, they, dude, nobody wanted to get on Apple Plus. I did not. And I, I, I bought something. Maybe it was, maybe, oh, maybe I got a new iPhone. 
and they gave me a year of Apple Plus with my iPhone. There was that show, that Jennifer Aniston show, that got a lot of good reviews. That the morning I thought, show. Yeah, I haven't I thought watched of, it. I thought about getting Apple Plus just for that, but that never transpired. Well, I just watched the whole series of the show called Ted Lasso, that was fantastic. It's with the uh, Sude- What's that guy? Sudeikis? J- Jason Sudeikis? From oh yeah, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, where he's like a coach. Yeah, so he's this kind of a guy from Kansas who's a football coach and then he goes and he coaches a soccer team uh, a premier league soccer team dude it is such a great show and it's a show it's not a comedy it's not that funny but the guy the character his character Ted Lasso is so wonderful that it's really it's 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 kind of like the few times I've seen a Buddhist monk speak. Like it's really had a profound effect for a few days on my life where I'm like, I just go around trying to be more loving. And that's what I got from this show. Like after I've watched that show, I'm, I'm like, am I doing everything I can to be grateful and nice to everybody? Hmm. It's It's cool, dude. It's a great show. I don't know if it's worth getting Apple Plus for, but if you have Apple Plus, for sure, check it out. I have these moments, usually late at night, where I'm like, nice things occur to me. Like, oh, I'm going to call my stepbrother and tell him that I'm really proud of him. I've never called him in my life. And I know that, uh, and I love him. And I know he looks up to me. And we always have a good time when we see each other. But I've never said anything really heartfelt to him, ever. And I'll think late at night, I'm like, I'm going to call him on the phone and tell him how proud I am of him because he's, he went through a hard time. He got remarried. Now he has a beautiful kid and he's a great dad. And I'm like, I'm going to tell him all of those things because they're true. And how much would that mean to him? And it would, it would just, it's, it's long overdue that I said these things to him. And then the day comes and I'm like, uh, I want to do more of the nicer things that occur to me to try to do. Writing a letter to somebody that occurred to me the day. I'm like, I'm going to write someone a letter. And then the day comes, I'm like, ah, I, don't I don't know, know what I'm, that, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know why that, that happens. I mean, I have the same thing where I'm like, it's usually has to do with like bettering my life. Like oh, I'm going to start a diet or I'm going to start working out or I'm going to clean up the garage. It's just sort of like, oh, that'll make a difference. And then when I get into my real life, right. I'm like, I don't have time to do that shit. <laughs> god what was i thinking that's some laying in bed shit that is that's what it is it's that late it's the dark night of the soul it's midnight hour and you're laying in bed and you're and here's my friend kevin calls it you're putting it all together you're just putting it all together (laughs) yeah no that's real different than actually putting the thing together which involves work and effort right there uh louis ck had a great bit about when you see a veteran on an airplane, he's like, you know, maybe I should give them my first class seat. Like, I'll take their ticket and go back to coach. You know, they've served the country. And he's like, I never do it. He's like, no. but I always think when I, he's like, I always give myself the credit for the idea. Right. I'm like, wow, that was really nice of me to think, <laughs> to think of that. And then he never does it. That's pretty funny. I can't think of any great new thing that we've seen. I've heard this new Clooney movie, Midnight Sky is really good. I watched it. That? And it's not that great. It's okay. It's slow. 
It's not, it's definitely not great. I'll tell you, I mean, I, I think we've talked about it already, but that Wonder Woman is the worst. Yeah, I had a I had a campfire with some of my buddies last night, like a socially distant. One of them's a big movie buff, and he actually does like all the superhero films, and he can make a pretty good case for that. Like, he really loves cinema, and he loves all those fucking movies. Huge Star Wars guy, all that. We had many long debates about all this. But he was very colorfully talking about how awful Wonder Woman, the new Wonder oh, Woman is. It's it's terrible. I mean, the superhero movies are like all movies. There's some that are great and there's some that are mediocre and there's some that are bad. Right. And this one definitely falls into the truly bad category. Well, I asked you this on the show before and I asked him last night, It's my friend Hunter. I'm like, how can you get it so wrong? I mean, how? And then we were talking about it. It's like, it was a $200 million movie. And anytime you have that much money, here's what that much money means. I don't know if most people know how this works, but producers of a movie basically find money. And that 200 million doesn't just come from one place. That's a lot of people investing in the movie. Independently wealthy people, studios. Uh, a lot of times if you see a star as the executive producer of a show, it means they're funding it. They're putting their own money into it because they believe in it or who knows why people do that with all these people putting into wonder woman 84 that's just more and more people who have creative input so you have somebody who wrote a story who's trying to tell a story which is what movies are they're stories and then you have all these usually non-creative people who ponied up cold hard cash who mess it up who come in or they 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 test you know they test films Oh, the test audience didn't really like this. And if you you do that enough times to a story, you get a bunch of uncreative money people and a, you start testing your story and making changes based on test audience surveys. That's how you get a shitty movie. And when you have $200 million involved, they're letting all of those external influences affect the storytelling. That's got to be how you get a movie like that that wrong. Well, here's the other problem with that movie is it was directed by a woman. And now you have a movie that's a real turd and then you've got ammo for people that are like sexist or misogynist. They're like, oh, yeah, look, look at this one. movie sucks, directed by a woman. Like that, that's not good either. Because well, there's, I, there's plenty of great movies directed by women. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, I mean, in, in my post, in my, in my ideal world, a movie can be judged by its merit whether or not the director had a dick. And I think, dude, who, you know, I, no, nobody cares who, cares who the director is. Nobody well, cares. I care who the director is, but I mean, I, if it's like Martin Scorsese or something, yeah. But if it's somebody you've never heard of, you don't care if it's a man or a woman. No, you just want the film to be good. Yeah, and but but I think that it should be. I think the same way that we, I think the same way that we can assign responsibility to a director, uh, we should be able to say that whether a chick directed it or not, that it sucks. You know, that oh, shouldn't become sure. a culture war. That should just be, oh, who directed it? Oh, Catherine Bigelow. Well, I really liked Zero Dark Thirty, but I didn't like whatever the fuck she, whatever her new thing is. It's That's all on the table for me. Is that a real person, Catherine Bigelow? Yeah, she Oscar winner. She won for uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Dude, I love that. Is she direct? I thought somebody else directed that. She did Zero Dark Thirty. Don't even make me Oh, get no, oh I'm sorry. IMDb. Maybe she did, she, she did The Hurt Locker. She did The Hurt Locker. Well, The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty were directed by the same woman. Well, that's Catherine Bigelow. But I, 
Uh, and she was married to James Cameron, right? I don't know who she was married to. I know that it was James Cameron's ex-wife who directed both of those. But I didn't know that was her name. But she she is known for The Hurt Locker. That's right, Zero Dark Thirty. She did a horror movie called Near Dark that was really good. Uh, she did Detroit. Which Let's I haven't see. seen, but I've heard it's good. I'll tell you what I saw. Let's talk about something that's fucking great. Which okay. you've probably seen too, because it's on Disney Plus. Okay, Soul. Oh my gosh, how have we not talked about this? I love okay. that movie. So we did it for family night. We've been watching movies as a family, really for the first time ever, as our little trio. Like Nova's just old enough to like get. We can watch movies now, which has been really, really fun this year. So I saw that it. I think I don't even think I saw a trailer for it, and I thought it was just an animated film about jazz. It looks like, horrible. Well, it I looks the it, no, but the, it looks horrible. Like when you look at it, you're like, what, what is this? But I was so shocked by it. I couldn't believe what it was about. Like, I, I, it's such a fresh, bizarre, beautiful movie that has really deep philosophical implications about life, about meaning, about vocation, about family. Like we were all watching it and burning it down together. And me and Isabel were looking at each other like, holy shit. I, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna win an Oscar. It was. It was a wonderful movie, and and it did. It did have that. It had that same sort of thing that like Wings of Desire, which is another movie that really makes you examine what life is and what the experience of living really is. Which is, it's not about like trying to figure out some profound answer or follow some calling. It really is just about being in the now and experiencing it because there's beautiful moments all the time that present themselves that are there. And if your whole thing is like, oh, I got to do this thing to be happy or this person's got to do this to be happy, then you're missing out on all this beautiful stuff that's happening all the time. It's so good. And dude, the whole time I was like, is that Sarah Silverman? Because I don't, I don't. In, for she's great in Wreck It Ralph, but for some reason I have this thing where I don't like her. I don't know why. Because hmm. she's she's fantastic in Wreck It Ralph. Her. Yeah, I love her. But she sound. I, I was like the whole time. I was like, is that Sarah Silverman? And then I found out it was Jamie Foxx and, and Tina Fey. And suit. I wish I would have looked earlier because I love Tina Fey. Yeah, and I love Jamie Foxx. So. I think it would have made me enjoy the movie even more. I, I It's like we were saying in a previous podcast, or maybe even in this podcast, I don't know. But the same way that I can't really recognize that someone's wearing like fake hair, or like they dye their beard or whatever, I, for the life of me, can so rarely identify famous voices in animation. Isabel's great at it. But well, I, I, I can't ever really tell. Rarely I can. Right. Well, there was a wonderful... So this guy, I've been watching this guy, Richard Iowata. Who's, who has a show called Travel Man. And we talked about that on the podcast. You, yeah, you told me you like Travel Man, yeah. So I love that guy and I'm just watching it nonstop. And he was he's he's one of those like weird angular guys in the movie. Okay. Like, you know, one of the guys that shows up and says, hey, you got to do this and you got to do that. Yeah. He's not the little accountant guy, but he's the tall angular yeah. guy. Anyway, so it was just fun hearing his voice. Like as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, oh yeah, that's him. But I'm the same way. Like the whole time, I'm like, I never realized it was Jamie Foxx. And I'm like, is that George Clooney? Is that George Clooney? Is that 
who is that? You know, it's always somebody that you've heard their voice, but you're not really sure who it is. It amazes me, though, that they, well, and I I, I see the world through the lens of my experience, so, that, so what else can I do? But I never really can tell. So it always amazes me that the, they budget for that to get these famous people, because I'm like, if the movie's good, why pay a famous person? But I guess a lot of people really do identify the voices and that helps sell the movie. Uh, I mean, it's got to make sense, I guess. I bet you Pixar, which really has never made a bad movie, I bet you they're kind of like the new Woody Allen. Yeah, like anyone wants or, or to like, do it. Yeah, yeah, or like Sesame Street. Like if they say, hey, do you want to be in this movie? Everybody's right. like, I'm doing it. Yeah, they Because do they're it for, classic movies yeah. that will stand the test of time. I mean, with the exception of maybe Brave, every movie they've made is fantastic. Even Brave's great. But most of their movies are are as good as any movies that are made. And it's got to be pretty easy work compared to making an actual movie. Right. It's got to be maybe a week. You, you got to get the script and read the script. And I'm sure they do table readings and shit. But after that, after you kind of got it, you're just showing up to the studio and doing six hour blocks of voice. Oh, yeah. I bet you it's fun. I bet it is fun, especially if you like your, your co-stars. But- we also watched, there's a couple of movies that Soul would fit in the column of where they're sort of moral tales. Well, all, all stories usually tell a moral, but Soul is, could be very preachy. It really could be. We watched The Lorax recently, and it's just too preachy. It's too corny. Another movie that was a, an, a, an attempt at that that I think kind of failed. It was Inside Out. Oh, I that loved were, Inside Out. Everyone did. I think it won the Oscar that year. It was, your, it was the personification or the anthropomorphication of your feelings and stuff. And it was all about letting your feelings out. Great message, but it was just a little preachy. I don't know how Soul avoided that, but it did. It like threaded that needle really well. It's got to be hard to do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I love, I, I, I've seen Inside and Out, Inside and Out probably four or five times at this point, but I, I love that movie. That was Amy Poehler. Right, she's great. She's the big one. She's killer, man. I remember watching Amy Poehler on a very, very poorly watched Comedy Central late night show called The Upright Citizens Brigade. It was like very bizarre sketch comedy. Did you ever see that? So they had this thing called ASCAT, which was the actual Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, them doing their thing at the at the club where they're just doing straight improv, and they just. It, it, there's only one episode of it. I think it's on Netflix or, or Prime or something. And it's them doing their thing. And Amy Poehler's part of it. And a bunch of people that are on Veep um, are also part of that. And it's as good as anything I've ever seen. It's as funny as anything I've ever seen. It's amazing. And then, so I was like, oh, where's, I want more of this. And then the only thing they had was that Upright Citizens Brigade. And it's like SNL. It's just like a sketch comedy show with the people from, uh, UCB. Yeah. And, but it was just four of them. Right. But it's not, I, I didn't think it was good at all. Like it's maybe, real, maybe I, maybe I just, I just watched like half of the first episode and I didn't go through all of it, but it, it, it wasn't enough for me to keep watching it. Right. And it's definitely not the, the improv side of UCB where they do their thing in New York and it's a true, it's basically like the groundlings or right. second city. The show was like written sketch comedy. But it's really bizarre shit. But if you watch that ASCAT, Amy Poehler is 
fantastic. She's so good at improv. The people that are good at that, that the talent you have to have to, to succeed at that is amazing to me. Did you watch that, um, the guy from Silicon Valley, I can't think of his name, him and his buddy. Yeah, they do, they do big improv thing. They, they do serious improv. Right. Where it's not necessarily humor. It's like, but they do a whole show of improv. And dude, they would sell out every, everywhere they went, they would sell out across the country. And you couldn't film it. You couldn't do, and then they, they filmed it for like Netflix or something. I tried to watch it and it was real hard to watch. They were on Conan's podcast and they were kind of doing that riff because Conan comes from, Conan's like, he comes from that world. So he, like you could tell he was excited to have them on. And Conan is great at rolling with bits and riffs. And like, he has a very good improv etiquette. I think that's one of the things that makes his show so great. But I found them a little annoying. But I do, I am aware that they are highly respected in the improv world. Well, one of them, the guy from Silicon Valley is definitely funnier than the other guy. But I don't know. It's definitely one of those things. I think if you're there, if you're watching somebody do improv and you're there, there's something exciting and dangerous and wonderful about it. And as soon as it's recorded, it loses power. It really loses something. Yeah. There's something about being together on an adventure looking for funny stuff that's exciting. But for it to be recorded and to listen to it again, it really has to be like, it has to be like, you know, like, like stand up where you take time to figure out, you, or you get a funny idea, then you have to really work on it and make you know like it's like writing a song like if you're if you're writing a song off the top of your head and you can make things rhyme everybody like that's exciting that you're making it rhyme but after that if you're going to listen to it for a second time now the contents have to be good you know what i mean it's not just about making it rhyme and that's the same with comedy just because you're able to come up with something funny doesn't mean it's really funny. It just means you stumbled upon something funny. Well, and I think the magic trick of stand-up is they make it seem like they're just talking. You know, they're just... Right. They make it seem easy and like, we're all, hey, we're all just here talking. They don't realize that that person has memorized an hour of material. Right. And, right. and not only the the actual jokes, the setups and punchlines, the timing, the phrasing, that is highly honed. George Carlin, man, George Carlin used to have a special where he started the whole special with, I'm sure you've seen it, but it's like, it's like a, um, it's like a soliloquy. Thank you. I'm a modern man, a man for the millennium, digital and smoke-free, a diversified multicultural postmodern deconstructionist, politically, anatomically, and ecologically incorrect. I've been uplinked and downloaded, I've been inputted and outsourced, I know the upside of downsizing, I know the downside of upgrading. I'm a high-tech lowlife, a cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, bi-coastal multitasker, and I can give you a gigabyte in a nanosecond. I'm new wave, but I'm old school, and my inner child is outward bound. I'm a hot-wired, heat-seeking, warm-hearted, cool customer, voice-activated and biodegradable. I interface with my database, my database is in cyberspace, so I'm interactive, I'm hyperactive, and from time to time, I'm radioactive. (laughs) 
Behind the eight ball, ahead of the curve, riding the wave, dodging the bullet, pushing the envelope. I'm on point, on task, on message, and off drugs. I got no need for coke and speed. I got no urge to binge and purge. I'm in the moment, on the edge, over the top, but under the radar. A high-concept, low-profile, medium-range ballistic missionary. A streetwise smart bomb. A top-gun bottom feeder. I wear power ties, I tell power lies, I take power naps, I run victory laps. I'm a totally ongoing, bigfoot slam dunk rainmaker with a proactive outreach. A raging workaholic. A working rageaholic. Out of rehab and in denial. I got a personal trainer, a personal shopper, a personal assistant, and a personal agenda. You can't shut me up. You can't dumb me down. Because I'm tireless and I'm wireless. I'm an alpha male on beta blockers. I'm a non-believer and an overachiever. Laid back but fashion forward. Up front, down home, low rent, high maintenance. Supersized, long-lasting, high definition, fast acting, oven ready, and built to last. I'm a hands-on, foot-loose, knee-jerk, head case. Prematurely post-traumatic, and I have a love child who sends me hate mail. But I'm feeling, I'm caring, I'm healing, I'm sharing. A supportive, bonding, nurturing, primary caregiver. My output is down, but my income is up. I take a short position on the long bond, and my revenue stream has its own cash flow. I read junk mail, I eat junk food, I buy junk bonds, I watch trash sports. I'm gender-specific, capital-intensive, user-friendly, and lactose-intolerant. He's kind of famous for that. He's kind oh of famous gosh. for these like really... like Mark Twain shit. Yeah. God no, damn it. Yeah, he's such a that's the thing. Like the stand-ups who are the best stand-ups are great writers. Right. You have to be. And uh and then you have people that are just funny, like Crystalia and Theo Vaughn are really funny, but they're not necessarily writers. I want to talk about Chris Delia in the Secret Weekly. I want to talk about him because he he got mega canceled this year. So but I want to talk about that with you. Uh, I'm ready to talk about it all day long. And we got to go. So if uh, if you want to join the Secret Weekly, you can join us on Patreon. Bob's other podcast is called The Song Club. Mine's called Metal Up Your Podcast. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate everyone who listens out there. You guys are amazing. If you want to write into the show, Bob and Clint at gmo.com, we will read it on the show if we want to. And we'll see you on the flippity floppity. Bye. You're welcome. <laughs>